Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good morning. How are we doing? Ooh, a murmur. Lovely. Um, do keep that passage open in front of you. We're going to, you'll be glad to hear, look, be looking at it. And that's what I'm going to be speaking about this morning. So do have that open. Uh, but first, why don't, we, uh, why don't we pray together? And then we'll turn to that passage. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your word. God, thank you that uh, in each page of this book that we have in front of us. Uh, you speak words of truth and life and love. And Lord, we want to pray that as we come to it now, that it would be just that to us. It would be your voice calling us closer to you, deeper into a life following Jesus. So God, would you come and fill us with your spirit and work in us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wonder if you've uh, ever had uh, that experience of being given a task or, or choosing to take on a task uh, that feels just impossibly big. You know, this mammoth thing that you just cannot conceive how you're going to approach it. You know, maybe it's uh, going on the longest run, distance run you've ever been on, or, or maybe it was during lockdown and it was kind of finally clearing the clutter in your house, seeing if things spark joy uh, or maybe it's when you've been given a, an assignment at school or a task at work to do, and you just don't know how you're going to go about completing it. But if, ever, if you've ever been in that situation, then you'll probably know, you will have probably had someone tell you that one way to approach that sort of thing is to break it down into manageable steps. You know, don't think about the 10K, think about the next minute of running. Don't think about cleaning the whole house, just think about sorting that next box. Don't think about the whole bit of coursework. Just think about the next 100 words. If you've been in that situation, then you'll know that if you break it down into manageable steps, all of a sudden something that seemed impossible, something that seemed just too big to even contemplate, suddenly becomes something that you can perhaps slowly but steadily chip away at and see accomplished. Well, the passage that we're thinking about this morning, the one that Karen just read for us, Paul seems to present us an impossible task. He gives us something that seems seemingly just too big for us to do. He gives it to the church in Thessalonica, but it's for us as followers of Jesus here this morning as well. Because just to remind you, in this letter, Paul is writing to a church that he loves deeply. He really cares about what's going on in this church. And, and it's his great joy to hear a report back from the church. He'd been there, he'd helped uh, get it off the ground, uh, but he'd been forced to flee in the face of persecution. And he was worried about the state of the church that he had left behind. But he's delighted to hear that things are going well, even though they're facing their own hardships and persecution. 
But what Paul longs for this church that he loves, that's doing well, is that, that more than just doing well, that this church would flourish. That they'd continue to go deeper and further into the things of life with Jesus. That having received Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, they would continue to walk fully and beautifully into the life to which they had been called. And so to that end, he calls them more deeply into living the life of those who follow Jesus. And it is an incredibly challenging call. We find it perhaps most succinctly in verse 12. It's going to come up on the screens, but do have it open in front of you as well. Verse 12, Paul says this. He says, we encouraged and comforted and urged you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Now, there's a lot going on in this small uh, verse, but here is the essence of what Paul is saying. The Thessalonian church, the Thessalonians, just like all followers of Jesus, are called to live the type of lives that demonstrates and reflects the character and the intentions and the goodness of God into the world around them. This word uh, worthy can be confusing in our translations, but it's not talking about living lives that earns them a place at the table, as it were. It's not about living a life that ticks certain boxes of behaviors and character traits that mean that they will be saved. No, it's a call to live their lives in a way that makes the rule and reality of God present in the world through their presence. It's called to live a life that represents God because the Thessalonians are in the room. And this is a big theological idea which some of you may have heard about and it's the idea that you and I as human beings made by God are made to be the image of God in the world you and I are meant to be the image of God God is meant to be present through our presence so what does that mean well we can think about it in this way David David if you don't know is our vicar and he is not here uh, this morning. Uh, but let's say I wanted to represent David to you. I wanted to image David to you uh, this morning. And there's a few different ways that I could do that. This is one of them. I could blazon David's image uh, on all of the screens in our church so that you had a physical representation of David. That's one step I could take. I could take it a step further. I could take David's image upon myself and complete the rest of my sermon like this. I actually find this quite comforting. This is quite tempting. In this way, whenever you spoke to me, whenever I spoke to you, you would see the very image of David. And those are both quite... This is quite fun to have this now. I need to work out what I'm going to do with this after this morning's sermon, but... And leave him there looking at me uh, with loving eyes as I speak. Uh, those are two things that I could choose to do. Very literally show you the image of David. But, but that isn't really the essence of the idea of imaging someone. Uh, because what 
that idea is getting at the really the more powerful meaning of that phrase it, it, is that to represent our vicar in his absence, rather than just showing you what he looks like, uh, I would uh, live the sort of life he might live if he was here. Because what, what is David in this community? He's a pastor and he's a servant. And so if I really wanted to take on the, the task of representing David to you, I'd represent him uh, through my character and my actions and my attitude, and I'd try and make those match what David would do if he was here. Uh, so in David's place, I might give you a, a warm welcome and tell you to treat this church like it's your own home. I might want to hear from you how your week's going and then offer to pray. These are all far too nice examples. I really tried to get someone to help me think of one that was a bit meaner, but I couldn't think of one. He's too nice. I could listen to what was going on in your life and, and offer to pray for you. I could help you find your place to serve and, and give in this community so that the body of Christ, the church, was built up. If I did all of those things, then more than creating myself a David mask, David would be represented. He would be imaged. Uh, in our community this morning. And that is what it means to image God with our lives. That's what it means to flourish as a Christian, what Paul longs for, for the Thessalonian church. It means living the sort of life that when people interact with you and with me, they experience something of the love, the activity, the character of the God who made them and loves them, and redeems them. And that's what Paul calls the church to do, to go on flourishing, to live a life worthy of God, to represent him, to image him. And that is a big ask, isn't it? That feels like a big job to take on. How could we possibly handle something seemingly so Impossible, living a life that makes God present through our presence. Well, Paul, the writer of this letter, is here to help us, and he's going to break down this mammoth task into manageable steps. And even better than just telling us what those steps are, he's going to live them out himself and then invite us, invite the Thessalonians, to copy him. You know, elsewhere, Paul uh, writes this incredible statement. He says, follow me as I follow Jesus. And that's what he's doing here. He's following Jesus and he's inviting the Thessalonians and us to follow him as he does that. And in these verses, we see an example of how Paul images God into the world around him. And it's a life that models uh, three aspects of what I want to spend the rest of our time uh, this morning thinking about. And it's going to come up on the screen. It's this, a life of clear priorities, of genuine love, and of deep integrity. So firstly, let's think about a life of clear priorities. As we read through these verses that we just read, I don't know if you got the sense, but I want to suggest that we get this picture of Paul who, who lives a life in which God is the main character. God is the main character. Because did you notice how Paul, in just a few short sentences, speaks of 
the help of God, the gospel of God twice, the approval of God, the praise of God, the testing of God, the witness of God twice, the worthiness of God, and the call of God. And packed into this small section uh, it is just lots and lots of God. God is the main character of the life that Paul was living. Paul is living a life utterly infused with God and his clear priority is pleasing and honoring and obeying him. And you know, I think it was that clear priority that enabled Paul, as we read about in verse 2, to endure such hardship and persecution as he followed Jesus. Because he knew what his goal was. He knew what he had set his sights on. It wasn't his own comfort or success. It wasn't building his own personal brand or getting praise from other people. But his goal, his clear priority was the joy and will of the God in heaven who he loved and called his father. That's the same sort of life we see modeled by Jesus, isn't it? Jesus who was always about his father's business. Jesus, who is always listening to and obeying the voice of God. Jesus, who is always giving up his own preferences for the sake of doing the will of his Father. And so this is what it looks like to image God into the world. To live a life in which God becomes the main character. God comes first. God sits on the throne of our hearts. And comes first and foremost in the story that we're writing with the lives that we're living. Paul had clear priorities and it was to put God first in all he did. So how can we set clear priorities like Paul invites us to? I don't, as always, disappointed to hear, I don't ever really have a silver bullet. I'm still working this out for myself as well. But, but I think it takes prayer and intention. It takes asking God to give you his power so that you are able to make him the main character of your life and then setting your intention, setting your will on the goal of, in the small ways of daily life, choosing to live a God-shaped life when a you-shaped life is what you would much rather do. You know, priorities are a choice, aren't they? We choose what we prioritize with how we act in our lives, what actions we take. And so with the help of God's spirit in us, we are invited to make God our first choice. To ask God's help and then choose however we can in the small ways to make God our clear priority. And that's the first part of imaging God that Paul models for us. Clear priorities. Next, it's a life of genuine love. You know, because having seen that God is Paul's clear priority, it turns out that a God-focused life actually directs him outwards. 
And by putting God first, it doesn't make him useless to everyone else around him. Quite the opposite, it, it directs his life out to those around him in love. Because if, if Paul's love for God is the highlight of this passage, and I want to suggest that it is, then a very close second is Paul's love for the Thessalonian church. We see that perhaps most clearly in verses 7 to 8, and then again verses 11 to 12, where the language that Paul just kind of grasps at to find, to describe his love for the Thessalonians, it's the language of loving parents. You know, I've only been a parent for two years now. I'm still really working out what it means to do it well. I don't think I've got it sussed by any stretch of the imagination yet. But, but what I've discovered is that you learn pretty quickly uh, that what Paul models is what the love of a parent is meant to look like. If you're a parent, you'll know that what loving like a parent is meant to be is, is caring and delighting and encouraging uh, your child so that they grow to be all that they can be. And it's often love that sacrifices its own preferences, sacrifices time and energy and your own desires so that the one that you love flourishes. That's what it means to be a parent, but perhaps more importantly, that is the shape of Christian love. It's a love that we might call sacrificial self-giving. Sacrificial self-giving, where our love means that we're willing to give ourselves, even if it's costly, for the sake of raising up the one that we love. That's what Paul modeled towards the Thessalonian church. And isn't it the love, again, that we see modeled by Jesus? Jesus, who gave up his own divine status to become human, who gave up heavenly riches to become Paul, who gave up even his very life on the cross so that he might win for us eternal life. To image God into the world, to live like Jesus is to live a life of sacrificial, self-giving love. And so again, to live this sort of life is going to take God's power and it's going to take our intention, uh, but it's also going to need another ingredient. It's going to need community. And so I have another question for you as, as we consider living like this. Uh, do you have space in your life for genuine love? Do you have uh, time in your plans? Do you have capacity in your days and your weeks so that you are free to give yourself in love to those around you? Is there enough of you left over at the end of your day to give in love to your family, to your children, to your friends, to your colleagues, to your classmates, to your neighbors? Is there enough of you left that you're able to love? Because what Paul and Jesus model for us is that it's not enough to simply act in the right way or say the right things because genuine love means giving ourselves to others we often call that community do you have space in your life for genuine love because we image god with clear priorities with genuine love and finally with deep integrity 
the, the point that Paul is making throughout this passage to the Thessalonians is that he isn't like other traveling teachers. In Paul's day, there would have been uh, really normal for people to travel around teaching philosophy and theology and how to live a life well. And to many, Paul may have just looked like another one of those. Uh, But what Paul wants to say to them is that he isn't like other traveling teachers. Because the other ones that were around at the time, they would have been out for their own profit and pleasure. They would have used disingenuous and inauthentic techniques of flattery, deception, and self-promotion in their teaching. Because unlike Paul, you know, whose life was directed upwards and outwards, uh, their lives were directed inwards, towards themselves, towards building themselves up. But Paul says that we should be different. And so he lives differently. He doesn't teach to make money. He doesn't teach to get praise. His message could be trusted because his life could be trusted. Paul was a different kind of teacher who lived what he taught and was there for the sake of those in front of him. And once again, Paul is simply following the example of Jesus Because Jesus' life was more than just words and teaching. It was backed up thoroughly by his actions and his character. Jesus was who he was through and through. In what he said and in what he did and in who he was. And so if we're trying to image God with our lives, we need to be people whose character and actions increasingly match the faith we claim to believe. And so it it begs the question, when people look at our lives, would they believe what we say because of what they see in how we live? You know, I'm increasingly convinced that the best thing that you and I could do to see our friends and communities and families transformed by the love and power of Jesus Christ is to live lives that are themselves transformed and being transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You know, yes, of course, the time will come for words. It must do. We must be ready to use words when that time comes. But words are often invited from us as a result of the lives that we live. You know, the great scientist and uh, mathematician, Blaise Pascal, said this about how followers of Jesus should carry the gospel in their day-to-day lives. It's going to come up on the screen. He said this. He said that we should make the gospel attractive. Make good people wish that it were true. And then show them that it is. Do we live lives of integrity that make people wish that the God we image into the world is truly friend and Lord and Savior? Then we can worry about showing them that it is. But do our lives make them wish that it were? Paul invites this church that he loves to keep on going. To flourish by living a life that images God into the world, that makes him present through their presence 
And to do that, he demonstrates a life of clear priorities, of genuine love, and of deep integrity. And if you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, then this is the type of life that you are invited to follow and copy and imitate. You're invited to follow the example of Paul just as he followed the example of Jesus. This is the life that we're called to, but, but most importantly, as we've touched on already, when Jesus invites us to follow in his example, he gives us a community in which to follow together, and he gives us power to live like him. Because with Jesus, it's never just a list of impossible tasks to complete. It's always a model of living and then power to go and make it our own to join in the journey towards Jesus together. So as we finish, I'd love to give us time to reflect on how God might be calling us to live in this way. But most importantly, I'd love to pray for us that God would give us power to image him into the world and how we live and in who we are. So why don't we pray? Lord Jesus Christ, just in a moment of quieting ourselves, we want to ask that you would come and prompt us. God, would you invite us by your Spirit speaking to our hearts into a life of, of representing you that you showed for us and that Paul modeled for us. God, if there's a place for us to put you first, to make you our priority, God, would you reveal that to us now? God, if there's a person that you're calling us to love, it just feels too difficult, God, would you tell us? God, if there's a particular situation which our lives need to match what we say we believe, would you challenge us now? God, even as you do that, would you, would you now fill us with your spirit? Give us power so that we can choose to set our will on living like the one who saved us. So come, Spirit of God, and Speak to us and give us power. Let's just give him space and time to do that. I just wonder as we do that, for many of us, it's going to be something frustratingly practical. There's going to be a person that's come to mind that you just don't really want to have to love, but that that's God's inviting you to. This is going to be a way that straight away, as soon as we were talking about it, you know, oh, that is an area in which I'm, God doesn't come first. He doesn't set my direction. I do. If that's you, then God isn't chastising you. He's inviting you to a different kind of life.
to ask for his help. Lord God, would you help us to follow you and image you? Amen. Amen. We're going to stand and worship. As would you join us in standing? Uh, and if God is speaking to you or has spoken to you, can I just encourage you, jot it down, tell it to someone, continue to ask for his help. Uh, but why don't we worship now? <laughs>